What's up, everyone? Steve here, welcoming you back to another episode of Baked and Awake, and I'm just recording a short intro today for an episode that I actually wrote last week and recorded last week uh, and performed live at the local recent Renton City Comic Con 2018. Uh, it was held, interestingly, in the neighboring uh, neighborhood of Tequila. I think the event outgrew its original venue um, and uh, was held at the Interurban Hotel, a newer hotel down in that uh, Tequila South Center area. Beautiful venue, and uh, the con spanned three floors. Uh, loads of amazing cosplayers, uh, lots of fun video game uh, activities for people of all ages my, my sons in particular my older son loved that though and played a few different demos of games um, impressed me with how able he was too on those um, was very fortunate I'm happy to say to attend both days of the con Saturday and Sunday and as I mentioned podcasted live from the convention they had a really cool podcasting studio kind of a lair there upstairs on the 19th floor on the top level of the event Make sure I'm not trying to talk too hard over my music here. And uh, they did some video. Uh, they they recorded video of everybody's performances. Um, I prepared and uh, did a presentation or a podcast episode, if you will, on occult and paranormal disclosure in comic books and graphic novels, video games, movie culture. So, uh, fun topic. Definitely a topic a lot of other people have spent time on. There's a whole world of it out there decoding, you know, the symbolism in our pop culture favorites. Uh, but I felt it was a really appropriate topic for Comic-Con, and um, I enjoyed making the episode quite a bit. Uh, it was really fun just sort of... Well, being down in a new location and in a, you know, out of my little upstairs hideaway up here in the, in the house where I generally record, mixed with and met with several other uh, local Seattle podcasters, and that was really cool. Who knows? Maybe we'll have some future opportunities to work with some new friends, um, you know, because of that um, in the coming months. So, um, but yeah, it was my first con. It was both of my boys' first cons, uh, Kenny and Royce. And uh, amazingly, we made it. Uh, I made it both days. The boys hung out with um, my sister on the second day. And, and I should mention, by the way, uh, none of this would have been possible. My wife was out of town this past weekend visiting a friend for her 40th birthday. And that was just fine and, and wonderful. But I had the boys. Um, and, uh, you know, had already committed to doing the con and performing. So I was like, wow, okay. Didn't really foresee the conflict coming up on the schedule. Said, all right, we're just going to make the best of it. I was really lucky. My uh, young niece, Peyton, and uh, her boyfriend, Rob, um, came out on Saturday. They were coming to the con anyway for themselves for fun. And they grabbed the boys for me just in time for my recording session at 4.15 on Saturday. 
Um, and so uh, that was huge and just super clutch and so appreciated. So good looking out, you guys, uh, for being there and taking the boys. Uh, and then likewise on Sunday, oh, a little debt of gratitude to my sister for taking the boys then and hanging out with them. Uh, and they chose. They chose to take the day off the second day. We were at the con for six or seven hours on Saturday together. Uh, so I, you know, I considered them to be great troopers. They both wore their costumes the whole time. Kenny was Kylo Ren, uh, and Royce was Spider-Man. Uh, he was in great company with several other Spider-Mans. Kenny was the only Kylo at the entire con. Uh, I went ahead and pulled together at the last minute um, a Watchmen-themed costume. I chose right-wing lunatic character Rorschach as my cosplay. And uh, after having to actually fabricate the Watchmen uh, bloody smiley face uh, button uh, myself uh, from, you know, like toenail polish and die-cut sticker taping and uh, stuff, and um, a slight panic due to a potential Amazon snafu at the last minute uh, did end up getting a mask that I don't think I could have, you know, DIY'd up myself uh, for Rorschach uh, that actually uh, really cool, uh, like, color changes black in the nose and mouth region when you sharply inhale your breath. Uh, would have hoped that it worked in reverse where you could exhale and sort of blow different directions and get it to change to black. Uh, instead, it's more of an on-the-inhale cold cold air color change. Uh, nevertheless, more than enough to make uh, some people laugh and put a few smiles on people's faces when they ask, oh, it's too bad your mask doesn't move or change. Well, it does a little bit. So uh, if you're not familiar with the Rorschach character or the Watchmen movie, I want to say it's streaming on Hulu right now, the... Um, like the ultimate cut, they call it. And so that ends up making it like a three-hour movie. Um, amazing graphic novel from the late 80s, though. If you've never heard of it or uh, read it, uh, they have you know, re-released that a couple times now in like full. It was a 12-issue limited series, and they turned it into a hardbound graphic novel format. Um, and have sold it that way, you know, a number of times over the years. I have most of the original Watchmen. I think I have most of that 12-issue limited series. I know I have a couple missing that always bummed me out, but um, it was interesting. I was just, like, blowing it uh, on keeping up with all my books at that time back then when I was collecting those. So I uh, managed to miss a couple Watchmen on that first run uh, and never corrected it. But, uh, all right, so before I jump into... The uh, show that we did at uh, RenCon 2018, um, I will say uh, look forward to, I think that the next episode after this one will probably be the Hempfest retrospective that I had promised uh, last episode. I did receive a great edit of our conversation from my friend Goldilocks from SeshCast with, I think, some, you know... Um, fun and worthwhile just sort of uh reflections and observations about the event uh and the future of the event uh so that'll probably be included in our very next episode and i think uh in that episode i'll also do a hybrid of that audio and sit with you and talk about a second topic and i think the one i want to introduce us to at that time is going to be the nag hamadi scriptures so if you're unfamiliar with them, look that up. These are different than the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
and uh, very fascinating, very weird stuff in the spiritualistic realm kind of thing. Uh, shoot, let's puff, let's puff real quick before we go. Uh, so briefly, um, I haven't made a final decision on this yet, but I am considering um, going away from designating anything as Season 1, Season 2, Season 3, or what have you in my episode numbering schemes. Really doesn't matter to most of us and doesn't impact anybody's lives uh, very greatly at all. All the content will remain where it is and stay in the same order that it is, etc., and be just as accessible as ever. I may simply change the numbering conventions and just go pure number order from one on up this is episode 53 of the podcast and uh well i'm just having the best time i just love it and i look forward to working on it all the time and i can't wait to sit down and record for you every time i do um i thank everybody who's listened as long as you have already i look forward to and i hope that after an event like last weekend, maybe a few new listeners find their way to us. Um, keep hitting me up. Let me know what you want to hear me talk about here on the show. Places where you can get me really easily. Instagram, all day long. You can message me on my Facebook page. There's a Facebook page for uh, Baked and Awake, for sure. You can get at me there. Um, and I'll reply to you usually same day. Um, I spend a little less time on Facebook. Uh, and if you're the type, uh, like I am, who likes traditional email, I love it. Email me, please. Talk to us at bakedinawake.com. I want to know ideas for shows, things that you want me to follow up on that maybe I talked about once and didn't come back around on yet. Uh, you name it. Um, all right. I guess, uh, last but not least, and as briefly as possible, there does exist a Patreon page. It's Patreon forward slash Baked and Awake. Uh, have a couple of patrons on there, just a couple so far. Uh, I would love to slowly but surely increase that number just a little bit. A buck a month here and there from a few people. It won't really pay the bills. It won't really like buy a new studio or send us to, uh, you know, out of the country field trip for the pod. Uh, but what it will do is create, first off, a small community where those of you who do choose to support the podcast directly in this way, um, you know, and if you think about it, if it's a buck a month, it's 12 bucks a year, you bought me a, a round at a bar one evening hanging out together, all right? You know, you bought me a, uh, we, we shared a joint or two, you know, a, a session together sometime in the course of the year that's the kind of expense level of support we're talking about here but you you if you choose to do that you're going to be part of the patreon community that has even more unfettered access to the show and the inner workings of the show and my thought processes and planning for the show and have even more of a direct um voice to help shape what becomes content for the show um and in time the more support we're able to build for the show the more and more i'll do over there as well including of course the usual expected like bonus content and bonus materials right now i don't want to put everything behind a paywall though it's not remotely what i'm trying to do i want to keep the podcast 100 accessible to everybody for free forever i mean 
as far as I can, I can't imagine why it would need to be any different. So we're not going to spend our whole lives, you know, begging for sponsors, shilling for sponsors, begging for patrons, shilling for Patreon. I'm letting you know it's there. I got a couple of supporters and I love you guys. Dave, Derek, you know who you are. The homies right here, right in my heart. I'm thinking of you guys every time I record. And, uh, well, I could use a little bit more help. I really could. It just definitely helps tell you you're doing the right thing, going the right direction. And even though, like I said, it won't necessarily buy us a trip out of the country, it won't necessarily buy us a new studio, I promise you right now that I'll make sure that patrons who are supporting me with their dollars have a very clear idea of how and where their money has been spent to support the show. Because wherever and whenever I invest back in the show, I'm always sure to let you folks know picked up for example a lavalier mic uh, lapel mic for the uh, event last weekend nothing couple bucks grabbed a new memory card for storage for data again nothing couple bucks managed to forget that that was great <laughs> um, didn't need the lapel mic that was great it's fine whatever um, my joint went out all right um, what am I smoking Oh, nine pound, nine pound hammer. Yeah, buddy. Um, heavy indica. You know the one. Uh, I was going to say, last but not least, I did do a visual presentation to go along with the episode uh, because I was going to be recording live and I anticipated being in front of a audience, which ended up being a smaller, like, kind of standing room only, like, come in and come out and check it out kind of crowd. Um, and, like, a few of my friends, you know, hung around by the edges, other podcasters and stuff like that. Spoiler country, shout out, what's up, boys? Um, Basically, um, you can get the full presentation with the slides over at YouTube. My YouTube channel is called, you guessed it, Baked and Awake. So that's there. Um, and if I get the opportunity in the future to do that episode again as a talk, I plan to continue to improve the slide presentation that went with that, but that was just something I slapped together real quick to um, get through the uh, event. So full videos up on YouTube. You guys are the best. Look forward to seeing you all again real soon. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Just kidding. Please try to work with me today, though, as I will be reading much of this presentation. Uh, it's the nature of a lot of different podcasts. Mine is no exception that I will at times script greater or lesser degrees of the show. So today's content was that sort of thing. And so it ends up being a little bit of a different dynamic for a live event such as this. We'll get through it just fine. I'll try to look up and say hi to you every once in a while. Uh, before we get into it, I do want to take a moment to acknowledge what an amazing event this is, the Renton City Comic Con, and how much fun we're having here podcasting from the podcast lair up on the 19th floor of the Interurban Hotel. Super cool event and uh, just a great time being down here sharing the comic book love and the podcast love all together. So. All right. And yeah. So, getting to an introduction for myself. My name is Steve Kaminsky, and my podcast is called Baked and Awake. 
Some of you may know that I produce it locally here in the Skyway neighborhood just up the road. Uh, been doing the podcast for about a year now. And on our podcast, we talk about cannabis lifestyles, cannabis education, and conspiracy type topics. I talk cannabis from my fortunate perspective as a member of the legal cannabis industry here. And before you ask, no, I'm not the plug. Okay, I am the plug, just not for you guys right here. Uh, my role is sales for a local garden and I sell to licensed retail cannabis shops, which is where all of you who are over 21 should be getting your cannabis from as well. Speaking of which, I'm sorry, but there is no smoking here today at the venue. Please don't get my butt kicked out of here because you don't know how to act. Hopefully those of you like me who are 420 friendly found a way to get safe before the event and or are going to survive until you get back home somewhere safe later. So back to the podcast. In addition to talking about all things green and sticky and how to smoke it, we like to get weird. And by we, I do mean me most of the time. Although as you'll probably, or rather hopefully, come to find out if you listen to the podcast, I have been fortunate to be joined already by several wonderful guests who have joined me at different times to sit down, have a session, and usually a story. These conversations cover topics mysterious and paranormal. Other favorite areas are spirituality, and mysticism, philosophy. Quite often I dig in with a gleam in my eye that I promise is not just the weed and chop it up with you about some fantastic thing or another that our, shall we say, more upstanding friends and neighbors, certainly family members, would probably call crazy conspiracy talk. I've done episodes about the Maury Island incident. You may know it as, let's move ahead another one there. Yep. You may know it as Vashon Island. And the UFO sighted there in 1947 that was said to have dropped molten slag on an innocent logging boat salvage crew killing a dog. We've talked about the Martha Washington School for Insane Girls. Let's go one more and one more, and now we're perfect. The Martha Washington School for Insane Girls right here in South Lake Union. Not a myth. How about the tragic and unusual, to say the least, circumstances of the deaths of both Bruce and Brandon Lee? both of whom were interred here in Seattle, just north of Capitol Hill. We even took a two-episode look early on at Mel's Hole from Pullman, Washington, an inscrutable and seemingly bottomless pit that, if you haven't heard the story of, is a heck of a tale 
and we had a great time covering it. So for those of you, again, coming to the podcast for the first time today, thank you. Glad you're here. Please take a moment now, if you haven't already, pull your phones out, find Baked and Awake in the iTunes app, find it in your Spotify or any other podcatcher. We should be just about everywhere and subscribe. You've got about 52 episodes to catch up on before this one, so plenty of material to enjoy there. Get that done though before another one of these full-size 3D printed articulating and transforming Optimus Prime cosplays walks by and I lose you guys. And there's one out there. I don't know how he's getting in and out of the elevators, but he's out there. Uh, all right, and now, my introduction to the notion that there is a strong and persistent custom that exists among the writers and artists responsible for the creation of most of the comic, graphic novel, video, and big screen, big screen content we consume. To perpetuate the impression onto us everywhere, a series of archetypal mythological personages, histories, and hidden teachings in the form of thinly and sometimes not so thinly veiled imagery, symbolism, language, etc. This programming spans many different languages and cultures. Religions and different examples can be found all over the world. We'll keep it Western in nature for our purposes today. It is my contention and I am in no way claiming to be the first or even the 50,000th person to begin to draw these parallels, that the umbrella theme that has been here since the instantiation of, who knows, probably the Gutenberg printing press earlier, but let's say for our purposes again today, bring it forward a little bit, bring it to the dawn of comic books, their forebears, pulp magazines, and very soon thereafter, Hollywood and big budget feature films in particular. Prior to the era of the talkies, movies were shorter and had limited or no recorded audio. Therefore, they were severely limited in the scope of stories they could portray in a worthwhile treatment. One medium that was up to the challenge, though, back then, was comic books. Obviously, this image is a much more modern comic book. Comics and their forebears, pulp magazines, were the original playground for the fertile imaginations of many of the writers who would go on to populate the movie's later worlds of creature features, alien invasion, horror films, movies about wizards and warlocks. Stories of high espionage and intrigue also very popular for the early comics and pulps. And let us not forget the paranormal, Bigfoot, and ghost stories. With all of the aforementioned story types finding themselves intermingling and overlapping deeply with one another along the way. The roles played today by comic books, big budget special effects fueled Hollywood movies and to an increasing extent, our ever more immersive video games is one of social psychology 
and social engineering, in my opinion. Whether this psychology is benevolent or malevolent in nature is highly subjective. Digression. All right, but Steve, you say, what do you think we're being engineered for, bro? I mean, it's not like there's really a secret cabal of international 1% of the one percenters, banksters and Satan worshiping cabillionaires running the entire world from shadowy private island fortresses and off-grid underground bunkers, right? I mean, you don't mean to tell me, Steve, that you think the United States took and expatriated thousands of German Nazi officers of the modern-day STEM career path persuasion, folding them into American intelligence and science agencies all over the country in the wake of World War II? giving many of them new names and biographies in the process, and setting up more than a few of them in palatial, secluded estates, the likes of which would make Bill Gates jealous. Some of them maybe in his own backyard. I am, of course, going straight for the deep end, although nowhere near the bottom of the pool with references to such things as Operation Paperclip. This type of disclosure, that of awareness of alternate histories, alien contact, the belief in and practice of occult rituals into the modern era by some of the seeming most elite layers of society, corporate, and the worlds of church and state has been going on right in front of our eyes ever since the dawn of both comics and the film industry. Yes. Even in the silent movies, I just said don't matter a minute ago. Back around then, as we said, in those early 40s and 50s golden and silver age titles like Amazing Stories, Science Fiction Stories, Weird Tales, even more parochial, seemingly straight comic book red meat titles like Superman, Wonder Woman, Captain America, and so many others parade all the old gods and titans before us, either by their historic names or through clever semantics, more modern sounding labels that mean the exact same thing. That's right, we need not dig deeply into independently published, gritty, black and white comics by edgy writers nobody's ever heard of outside of this room. No, indeed. We need simply cast our eyes about us and look at just about any example of the arts you care to take the most casual looks into. We will see that they are rife with imagery, iconography, and symbolism that once they begin to be revealed, can hardly be missed anywhere you see it. Modern movies have been hogging a lot of the spotlight from comics, going all the way back to dusty old features like The Day the Earth Stood Still, or War of the Worlds. That last one itself adapted from a live radio broadcast in 1938 by Orson Welles which was 
in turn adapted from a 19th century story written by one H.G. Wells. Fueled by these and many other stories like them, the alien scare was on. And yet to this day, over 80 years later, as far as we know, no little green men have yet to land on the White House lawn. To date myself a bit, while also bringing the sci-fi analogy a little closer to my heart, I'm of the generation that grew up on OG George Lucas Star Wars films and mythology. I know, movie, doesn't matter, same thing for these purposes. Because can I really look out on this crowd anywhere at this con and expect to be telling anyone here for the first time that much of the Star Wars mythology, the canon stuff, is rumored, at least in the conspiracy realm, to be deeply tied to our own solar system's deep ancient history, and also, by extension, our galaxy. I would say, of course not. That would not be news to anyone here. So, back to the why. Why do we see this, these symbols? Why do we see these themes? Why do we see these archetypes played out over and over again for us through history? Why do we go back to this well over and over again as creatives? The why is this. Comics, along with their counterparts, middle and long form graphic novels, and an adjacent dimension, things like anime, CG features, and many types of video games, movies, and TV in all its modern streaming forms. Gravity Falls, anyone? Ancient meta-myths are again and again encoded back into our minds, hearts, and souls. This, that we may not lose a crucially important, impossible to contain, probably largely made up, but nevertheless somehow true history of humankind. Encompassed within this true living history of humanity are all the warnings that our ancestors have left behind for us, and every virtue they likewise recognized. Distilling these virtues into heroes and anti-heroes. Titans, gods, saints, and demigods. They are our finest exemplars of a conflicted soul. Beings who often embody two equally compelling and to themselves virtuous because what bad actor really thinks they're the villain, hasn't been wronged greatly before they chose their path. Those two halves, intent on the destruction of each other with a righteous conviction. The themes, personalities, and depth of the timelines of Earth's deep historical mysteries 
lend themselves beautifully to being told out in bits and pieces over a course of years, right inside the richly expressive visual medium of comics. You're seeing images I've been sharing on the screen with you here today. Some of them from film, sure. But these days, as I said, those realms intermingle as much as the story genres we mentioned did earlier in the pages of the pulp magazines. I also brought books from my own collection today. I'm not even going to bring them out of the bag. We don't need them. But looking into them, getting ready for this episode, it was very easy to see nothing but these types of symbolisms, labels, and language that corroborate this entire argument and line of thinking. We don't have time for them today, but trust me when I say they exist in your collections as well. Speaking of which, some of you are no doubt thinking of examples in your own lives of different glitch in the matrix kind of moments where you've been fortunate enough to experience with some book, movie, game, even conversations with friends. Something or another though that cracked a whole new fissure open up in your mind, sending you to another layer and a new level of your own journey into explorations of questions like, why are these myths repeated to this day? How can a materialistic, not in that way, like secular, scientific, leaning, Western educated person, rationally deal with the fact that the harder and harder we push the boundaries of things like Let's take it to conventional physics. We're talking about alien disclosure here and things like that in movies. So physics. Things get wonky and break down spectacularly. At least our calculations do. Especially when we try to conceptualize any means of moving around, say, the universe at any appreciable percentage of the speed of light. To cite, you know, a reference to the lowest useful speed we could really move around any space outside of our own solar system and ever get anywhere. Despite being in an apparent vacuum, we're unable to figure out how to accelerate a ship of any size, let alone a BB, to up to even a few tenths of a percentage of the speed of light. Again, you can research that yourselves, we don't have to do it today. We've all got supercomputers in our pockets these days. The point is that limitations like this have been held up to us by scientists, academia, the media, etc. Our whole lives is the reason or reasons that nobody has ever journeyed here. Even if there were intelligent alien life out there. And of course, everybody knows there's nobody out there. Am I right? Okay, so pretty sure we only have about 30 minutes today, and that's fine. We're just having a peek, right? A primer, if you will. We're pondering this thing together, though, that we've already identified, and that we should keep doing so, in my opinion. Now, let's list off a few more strictly comic book based examples of heavy amounts of disclosure or symbolism right off the top of our heads as I write the following listicle. I'm just kidding, it's just a list. 
I just like saying listicle. We'll sort of categorize them as we go under their general theme or themes. Number one is Superman, right behind me here. Superman is the ultimate male physical and moral archetype. The Western edition. He is nevertheless an alien and hails from a mysterious world with its own eerie mythology. Space Hercules, if you will. A savior type figure. Number two is Wonder Woman. This familiar hero was sculpted from clay by her mother, Hippolyta. Wonder Woman is the super-powered and supernatural princess of a race of themselves fearsome warrior women. The Amazon race has Atlantean roots, according to the Wonder Woman mythology. Even her name, Diana, tells us that she's godlike, hearkening back to the Roman goddess Diana, known to the Greeks before that as Artemis, goddess of hunting and childbirth. Number three is Thor. Good old Thor, greatest of warriors. Norse, god of thunder and lightning, son of Odin, and brother to Loki, the trickster, an archetypical joker and dark sorcerer of one of the world's oldest pantheons. We saw Loki a few slides ago. Finally, to bring it up to a little bit closer to the modern era, number four is the Watchman, who I derive my own inspiration for my cosplay for the con here from. In the Watchman's world, costumed not-so-superheroes exist in a world that has either incarcerated, retired, or subjugated them into service for the man. A few remaining holdouts diminish has-beens to a one must fight for their own liberty while somehow saving the world from one of their own. Key archetypes in the Watchmen universe include Dr. Manhattan, a synthetically, accidentally created quantum being, a shape-shifting and teleporting man-god, Moloch, an arch-villain, with a demonic aspect to match his demonic name. Also, we have Ozymandias, the erstwhile would-be captain of the Watchmen and their ultimate foe, whose very name is the Greek label for the pharaoh, Ramses II. All right, looking back up at that now, it is kind of a listicle. We could go on. I don't think we have the time, however, and I like to think the point has almost been made. Call me what you must, but if you sat here with me this long, and as I type these words, 
I don't know if I'll be sitting here alone by now. I'm not quite alone. Or I would be this whole time. But whatever else you call me, I hope you call me a friend. And I'm asking you as a friend to keep looking at the symbols. Keep finding the hidden subtext that's layered into every book, movie, graphic novel, and video game we love so much these days. Because it's there for a reason. It's performing its job, and it's in service to us all. Wait, what? Isn't this the part where you're supposed to warn us away from all this pagan and paranormal that we haven't even scratched the surface of, by the way? Bullshit, Steve. Tell us to go to church. Nah, fam. I'm not. I'm just saying there's a lot of material out there. And in fact, it's unavoidable. It's in everything we consume. So rather than be afraid of it and throw our TVs out the window and move to an off-grid cabin somewhere, I say keep watching, keep listening, please keep reading, because you can handle it, and the meaning is there for us to find if we care to look for it. Whatever else you do, as I leave you today, Please always remember to smoke indica and do shit anyway.